and welcome to So What's the Problem, podcast in which we rewatch movies from our youth to determine if they're problematic by today's standards. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Jen. Today we'll be discussing Delirious, which was released in the US on August 9th, 1991, and the UK on August 23rd, 1991. It was written by Lawrence J. Cohen and Fred Freeman and directed by Tom Mankiewicz. It stars John Candy, Muriel Hemingway, Emma Sams, Raymond Burr, Charles Rocket, David Rush, Dylan Baker, and Jerry Orbach. Um, so what's going to happen is this, Jen and I have fought three problems this movie has, three each, and uh, one positive, and then we'll just have a wee discussion. So, Jen, do you have any history with this movie? I watched it this morning, and that is my long history with this movie. And I'm I'm mad at you. Why? You keep picking movies that I haven't seen that I just end up liking, and it's making this job very, very <laughs> difficult for me. So you liked us then? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what? What's your history? Because you don't sound like you like it. Well, I watched it a ton of times back in VHS days, and I hadn't seen it since then. I haven't seen it since, like, 1992, but I did watch it a bunch. And I remember, like, loving it back then. And then watching it now, it's just like, yeah, it's fine. Um, Yeah, it's not bad. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember loving it a lot back then because, you know, John Candy fan. And I really liked the premise. Uh, but, yeah, watching it now, I'm just like, mm. But then I did remember a lot of it. There was a lot of it I remembered. I remember the dance sequence that comes out of nowhere. <laughs> I did remember that. But there's some things I didn't remember, like the mechanic. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that part of the movie. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. It's all right. <laughs> but I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you I mean, you know, you know I generally have low expectations for 80s movies, so. Well, this is 90s. So. <laughs> oh, well, okay, 91 is basically the 80s. Oh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, if you consider when it was probably started being developed and everything, it probably started probably. in the 80s. Yeah, so. so Home Alone's an 80s movie. Yeah, right. I guess it, I guess in my head, if it's John Candy, it's 80s. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he died in the 90s, didn't he? Yeah, but... If it's if it's cool runnings or something, I think of the '90s. But like, if it's just a random John Candy movie I've never seen, mm-hmm. odds are it's from the '80s. No, I understand that because, like I say, he died in the '90s, so mm-hmm. you just sort of assume that most of his work was in the '80s. Yeah, but he did small movies like this and Only the Lonely, and not small movies I say, but they're big studio movies. But um, they're still. They, I mean, it didn't do well. No, no, no. Um, but it cost like 18 million to make and made five and a half or something. Oh god, I just noticed, sorry, I was looking at his IMDb, I just noticed he's my age and Uncle Buck. Oh Jesus. Right, and Uncle Buck, he was, he was your age, was he? Yeah, you know these things upset me. I know, see how I didn't see your age there, Jen, because I'm a gentleman. Someone can look at IMDb and do the math. It's, I think I've said my age a million times. I think you have, here. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you're younger than me and I'm 44, so there you go. Um, right okay so let's just get into the problems then Um, I've got a feeling Jen doesn't have many (laughs) but my first problem is the tone because which is strange because it's a comedy movie but there's no real difference between the tone of the real world 
and the tone of the the dream world. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but now that you pointed out, it bugs me because it's like slapstick. You know what I mean? There's slapstick yeah. throughout the movie in both realities. Yeah, the the tone in in the real world should be more serious, mm-hmm. and the tone in the soap opera world should be just a little more over the top. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, even the I mean, have jokes by all means in the real world, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when people talking, but don't do the slapsticky stuff and the silly music and stuff like that. It's like, well, you're just gonna do that like tenfold in the the dream world, so it's just not really, it's not really any different to me. But um, but yeah, that's my first problem. Yeah. It's a little bit too ca- because when he sees the refrigerator mm-hmm. in Rachel's room, it goes doom. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, okay, that's yeah, that's too much. That probably contributes to me thinking it's the 80s, because that's a very 80s thing to have those kinds of sounds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also Tom Mankiewicz is a, um, he's a sitcom writer. Um, and I think that one of the only other big movies he directed was the Dragnet mo- movie, starring Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks. Oh, I remember not liking that. So he he has form for this sort of like comedy so what is your first problem? Um, it really pissed me off that he was yelling about the character of Janet to Muriel Hemingway, who is there to audition for this role. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly insensitive, and it makes him incredibly unlikable, which, I mean, I guess he's supposed to be kind of unlikable at the beginning. But, like, I just, she's been through so much already at that point, um, and I'm already so sympathetic towards her mm-hmm. that it just, it makes me so angry that he's basically telling her that he's going to get rid of the job she's there to get. Yeah. You see, that's the thing, again, with tone, because I'm not 100% sure he is supposed to be unlikable, apart from that. He comes off as pretty unlikable. Yeah, but he's still, I mean, he... uh, Right, John Candy apologises so much at the beginning of this movie that you can tell he's Canadian because of the way he says (laughs) sorry. It's... (laughs) You know, I, I, I think part of it is hard to tell because I find him really unlikable, but he's also dealing with a lot of really unlikable people. Yeah. So, like, like we've seen everything the cable man has done all day, right? Mm-hmm. So when he's, like, really pissed off at the cable man and yelling at him, and the cable man's acting all innocent, like, we know that the cable man's a dick. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing, like, when he's arguing with the producers, he's, it's, he seems very pompous and it's frustrating that he doesn't seem willing to compromise on anything, but, like, they're being dicks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I I guess that's a good problem right there, is not knowing if he's supposed to be likable or not yeah. at the beginning. The movie has a big, major problem. I don't know if you're going to bring it up. I doubt it. But if not, we'll talk about it later, because it's not one of mine either. <laughs> but I just thought of one. Okay. He shouldn't be that way to, to Mario Hemingway's character because it's not her fault and it's nothing to do with her. So yeah, he is a dick in that moment to her. But then he is getting treated like shit by other people. But that doesn't justify the way he talks to her. Mm-hmm. But then he is pompous and he is smug because when he gets into the dream world and realizes what he can do, I mean, he obviously uses it to his benefit, you know. So he has mm-hmm. he has a bit dickish there. <laughs> um, but you know, at the same time, though, 
it's John Candy. Yeah. You know, he's still kinda he's still kinda likable. I don't know. I find it really easy to dislike him. I feel like he's played quite a few unlikable characters. And, like, I remember hating him in Splash. Yeah. Um, And, I mean, a lot of it is just the qualities they give characters in the 80s and 90s. Like, sometimes it's not that you're supposed to dislike them, but I do. Like, I remember in Splash, he was using mirrors or something to look up women's skirts. Oh, he was dropping coins and bending over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so immediately I'm just like, I don't like you, dude. I know. And Uncle Buck, Uncle Buck was a terrible boyfriend mm-hmm. and brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, I know he's supposed to be fun and everything, but even as a kid, I was like, this guy's a douche. Well, when I was a kid, I wouldn't have known the word douche, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but he, um, <laughs> Uncle Buck does sort of learn a few, few things towards the end, especially when it comes to his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he. I mean, he learns things, but yes. at the beginning, he's definitely... No, no, I know, I know, but... But I think I'm supposed to like him. No, I know, but his character in Splash doesn't really change. I mean, he gets arrested for his brother, but he doesn't really do much else. If you ever want me to get really angry, pick Splash as a movie. Uh, we've already done Splash, Jen. Oh my god, we have? Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> we have? We have done Splash! Oh my god! <laughs> so many movies, I can't keep track. <laughs> I have a terrible memory. Yeah, this is our forty-first movie, Jen, that we're talking about. <laughs> so I understand. <laughs> I understand if you forget. But yes, we've done Splash. That's like a f- couple months ago. I was looking at the list of shows that I'd done for Pilot Inspectors, and there were two shows on there where I was like, I don't know what these are. What are these? Like, I just don't even. <laughs> like, I could not figure out what they were. I was. Tr- I was like, surely I can figure this out on my own, and I could not. Just two, and it turned. That's actually quite good. <laughs> It was two or three, and it yeah. turned out they were the ones that um, we did f- uh, for Patreon. So ah. it was stuff that other people had recommended. And, like, one was, I think, Swedish and one was Korean. Mm. Um, but they – and one of them I I had remembered. I just didn't remember the name yeah. of it. Um, but the other one, oh, my goodness. I When I read the description, I vaguely remembered it. But I'm still, I still feel kind of weird about that one. <laughs> right. Although with that show, I've done over 300 episodes, so it's a little more understandable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, because we haven't been doing this that long. I should, I should know we did splash. It's, it's coming back to me. I remember, I remember remembering that I thought I was going to hate it more than I did because the previous time I'd watched it, I was really angry. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, I don't know, a year and a half since we started doing this. But, yeah. we've, but we've only done 41 movies. Okay. Um, but that's because our schedule at the beginning wasn't weekly. So. Um, okay. But yeah, we've done Splash. It was like our oh fourth, fifth movie, maybe? Fifth. Because we did okay. sleep with in Seattle, and that was our first Tom Hanks movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. My head is in my hands. You can't see it. <laughs> Yeah. So, any other movie that you want to <laughs> want to see? Yeah, we should do uh, the Crush. We should and... do the Crush. Yeah, <laughs> we should. Yeah, I think that would be a good one to do. Um, I haven't seen that in years. <laughs> do Home Alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's do one completely pointless, like The Terminator, one that we know is okay. a good movie, but we do it okay. anyway. All right, let's do that. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Right. Okay, what problem were we on? 
Um, I'm just about to say my second. Okay. Okay. Uh, so my second problem, and guess what, Jen? My what? Is it somebody's tie? No. My second. Pro- oh no, no. I'm well <laughs> past ties in this. With this movie. Um, my uh, my problem is the score. Oh. And usually my positive is the score, but the score in this movie is absolutely fucking atrocious, and I hate it. Mm-hmm. Because it's silly and it's over the top and occasionally it even has wah, wah, wah bits in it. So fuck the score to this movie. I can't contribute anything to that because I didn't even notice the score. No, I know, I know. I, I'm the one that tends to notice like score and stunt doubles and stuff more than you. Although, please tell me you noticed the stunt doubles in the horse scene. Because holy shit, the stunt doubles were basically right in front of the camera. I mean, no, oh. no, I'm, I'm a very inobservant person. Plus, I just woken up. So. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> like I woke up and then watched this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, when she when Rachel's horse is going crazy and John Candy's chasing after her, the stunt double, especially John Candy's stunt double, is very noticeable. I, he does look big like John Candy, but he's still, you know, it's clearly not him. <laughs> There's nothing much else to talk about my second problem. So what's your second problem, Jen? God, this is God, we're gonna just blow through this whole thing so fast. Good, that'll be easy to edit. I did I did that thing where I watched the movie and I just enjoyed it. And so problems were hard. At one point he he goes to strangle Rachel. Violence towards women is not okay. No, are we not gonna talk about <laughs> so are we not gonna talk about Len? I didn't know what to think about Len. I was really confused. <laughs> <laughs> I because I thought about it and I was like I don't understand because it was such a small part. Yeah, just two just two brief scenes. That I was like I don't know what to do with this, so I ignored it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to do with it. I was like I don't I don't I don't know what to say about this and I assumed you'd take care of it for me. See, we're both expecting the other one to pick things like that. <laughs> and that's kind of a bit scary. Um, I don't know how you feel about Len either because apart from the the score which I've mentioned that I hate and playing like stupid you know how I complained about the bit in My Girl where she's like doing her walk and then it plays like stupid full sexy music um, even though she's a child well they do the same sort of music in this um, when Len turns up and it's like Mm -hmm. Apart from the music, there's nothing really... It's not really offensive. He's... he's Len's just living his life. I feel like in the 80s and the 90s, there are many, many jokes in both TV and movies about men dressed as women mm. that I don't understand if they're offensive or not. I know. And there's also the issue of we didn't... Like, mo- most people didn't know about transgender people. Like, at the time, they... You know, if anything, they would say transvestite. Mm-hmm. Or drag queen, like, so it's hard to even tell if a character's supposed to be transgender, mm-hmm. um, or if they're just like, like I guess crossdresser was a more common term at the time. I don't even know if that's a term we use now. I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's you see these things, and it's like it was a thing that was just there, and mm-hmm. like we now I'm doubting everything I believe we did. Don't tell mom babysitter's dead. Yes. Yes. Okay, I was pretty sure of that. So the part um, at the beginning where the drag queens steal the car, mm-hmm. 
it's like there's nothing bad about drag queens. It's just drag queens happen to be stealing the car, right? Mm -hmm. That's how it feels in the 80s and 90s. Like there's constant like in Crocodile Dundee, like, okay, he sexually assaults people and that's terrible. But like there doesn't seem to necessarily be there's not the like transphobia you would expect. Oh, well, see, Crocodile Dundee, I think, is a little bit different because they are making a joke at the expense of the of the, the trans women in that scene. There is, it is, but it's almost like they're also making a joke of Crocodile Dundee. It's like, it's this thing that everyone else sees, that this is a man, but that he doesn't see. Like, it feels to me like it's, I mean, it's making fun of both, which, I mean, I'm not saying that's good, but it, mm. basically, I, whenever I see these kinds of, like, jokes in movies from the 80s and 90s, I'm waiting for them to get terribly offensive, yeah. Like like we're talking about Chandler's dad on Friends, which that gets real offensive. Mm-hmm. Um but it never gets extreme and oftentimes isn't offensive and I'm like like I know there's a joke there. Like there's it's got to be at least a tiny bit offensive because it feels like they they're making fun of something, but I don't even know. I don't know. I know. Well the and- cro- sorry, the Crocodile Dundee one I would I would say it would have been better if it didn't have the bar patrons laugh. It. Yeah, it's but it's it it plays it plays as something where they're making fun of the man dressed as the woman, but it also feels like they're making fun of toxic masculinity in a way. Like it's it's so confusing to me. It's so confusing to me. Um, it's like bosom buddies. Is bosom buddies okay? I don't even know. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I don't understand what's happening in the eighties and nineties with these jokes. And I never, I, I know, like, it always feels like it should be offensive, but I'm never sure to, like, what degree. And I think I've brought this up before, but that's how I feel about, like, the entirety of Three's Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Bosom Buddies is is offensive in the way that they are dressed as women and women. And uh, if you don't know what Bosom Buddies is, people, it's a sitcom from the LA Eastern Tom Hanks and And Peter's Glory. Yeah, I can't. I couldn't remember his second name, but I knew it was Peter or something. Um, and he was in a he was in a pilot that I, I did for Drop the Pilot actually. Um, and it's about two men who dress up as women to uh, live in an apartment building, and that's basically it. It's like an all women's apartment building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing about that is that the guys are lying dicks, and they are. You know, they're pretending to be women and they're tricking loads of people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem with it. I mean, there, well, first of all, I haven't seen it in so long mm-hmm. that I don't remember much about it. But yeah, like, I know that there's stuff wrong with the fact that they are dressed as women and they are, like, in these women's lives, like, in their homes. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure there's a ton of offensive jokes about them, like, watching them change or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, like, as far as specifically the men dressed as women part there. Mm-hmm. I don't know how offensive it is. Yeah, off the top no. of my head, I, I it's it's just these jokes. I like I see Len, and I'm just like I don't understand how offended I'm supposed to be about. Like I feel like it's making fun of something, but I just don't know how to feel about it because it's just a small, quick thing. Well, how about how about we settle on? It's not making fun of someone like Len, but it's making fun of shit soap opera writers who come up with characters like Len because they can't think of anything else. Okay. We'll go with that. Because Len Len and himself isn't offensive. 
it's I mean the music is stupid as fuck when he comes out from underneath there. And I'm assuming this is supposed to be a big laugh moment when, you know, he comes out wearing his crop top, his rainbow crop top and stuff. But then the next mm. time we see him, he's wearing a dress. And he's, you know, perfectly reasonably reasonably dressed. Um, so it's not... I, I don't really see why... I don't really see the offensiveness in it. I mean, I'm not saying if people... like if Someone in the trans community is offended by it, then yeah, you know, by all means... Um, because neither Jen or I are trans, so we can't speak to that. But yeah, and and I will say, out of all the jokes, the ki- the kinds of jokes that can be offensive, I have found the trans jokes to be the most confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, like you usually can tell if like a racist joke is offensive or something. But um, like, do you remember the movie Freaky that came out last year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. A bo- body swap movie where um. Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn switch bodies. Yeah, two seconds. Um, sorry, um, that movie actually just came out in UK cinemas like two weeks ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it came out here in October. We yeah, actually yeah. rented it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, Vince Vaughn plays a serial killer who ends up in a teenage girl's body. Yeah. And I love I love a body swap movie. Yeah. So it was like it was made for me. And and I also love Catherine Newton. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was made by the guy who did Happy Death Day, which I also loved. Like, when mm-hmm. I saw that trailer, I was like, oh, this was made for me. And so I watched it, and I loved it. Like, it was a really fun time. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm in a local group of just, like, girl geeks. And somebody did a post complaining about it, and mm-hmm. they said it was transphobic. And there was a lot of argument in the comment because I would have never thought that. Because mm-hmm. body swap is different from mm-hmm. being transgender. And it really seems like in the end, like if you were to just base whether or not it's transphobic based on what people said there, mm-hmm. it wasn't. <laughs> there were a few people, both uh, cis and transgender, that were offended because of the like man trapped in a woman's body thing. There was something about it that they found offensive. And then people like me, I was like, I don't get it. Like, I mean, if you tell me it's offensive, I'll believe you because I'm not trans. But yeah. I, no one ever properly explained it to me. So it is a movie that a lo- that there are trans people who have a huge problem with it. And I still don't c- like, it's like I half understand it where they're coming from. And half of me does not at all. Um, and then part of it is that, you know, people were like, well, if you saw the movie and I'm, I am against that. I'm against the idea. Like if, if you think something seems like it's going to be offensive to you in a way where like, if you are, if it's, if you're trans or gay or a person of color and you think something looks offensive, I don't think you should have to watch it. Mm -hmm. Um, because it, that's like saying, Hey, this thing that might cause you trauma, you should see it before you form an opinion. I used Mm -hmm. to be the opposite, but I'm like, no, but it, it was kind of like, can, can we explain the plot a little more? Cause some people didn't seem to get it. I don't know, but I, it, it really, it ever since then, whenever I talk about things like this, and we've talked about things like this multiple times on this show, it's like, I really do think it's a genre of joke that it's like a little complicated for me to understand sometimes what is offensive and what isn't, um, which really pisses me off. Cause I want to, you know, obviously things are easier if you can see a joke and be like, well, that was wrong or mm-hmm. that that was funny. And I it's not bad that I'm laughing at this. Yeah. I mean, this joke, I didn't laugh at all. <laughs> no, no. I just didn't find it funny. But right. I'm, I'm going to defend Freaky 
um, if you, well, I'm not going to spoil Freaky, but um, I'm going to defend Freaky. There's two, there's two parts of Freaky, and I know you like it as well. Mm-hmm. But there's two parts of Freaky that, that sort of, like, the first time he wakes up in the girl's body, mm-hmm. he touches her breasts, mm-hmm. and but he's in her body and he touches the breasts. But then for the rest of the movie, there is absolutely nothing sexual whatsoever about this character. Yeah, and here's the thing, is I, because I love a body swap movie, and mm-hmm. I'd always thought about, like, the different kinds of body swap movies we can have, and I'd thought about things similar to this, and I was like, you couldn't do that because Hollywood would sexualize it so much. Mm-hmm. And I should also say I've never seen Hot Chick, <laughs> because I know that's the premise of Hot Chick, is, like, a grown man switching bodies with, with a teen girl. Mm-hmm. Um, But I... I kind of expected that and was worried about it and they didn't they didn't do any of the gross stuff that you'd think that they would because honestly it probably would have been annoying if he doesn't notice he has breasts Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like that joke has to be there um or not even joke but that moment has to be there yeah because it's not a sexual thing because he's not like feeling the breasts he just Mm -hmm. grabs them like what the fuck is going on why am i now in a teenage girl's body it's like what (laughs) dylan pointed out that when characters this this podcast is all about freaky now um dylan pointed out that when the characters find out who's really in the bodies they use their preferred pronouns Mm -hmm. and that's so like that that was an added element where it's like well but they're respecting pronouns in this way Mm -hmm. uh, which is really interesting i don't know i i personally didn't find it transphobic but i'm never going to tell someone that what they think like i'm never going to tell a trans person they're wrong with that but it's it just goes to show how complicated these things are because i'm usually not going to push back on something like that yeah you know and and another thing i mean as much as i think vince vaughn is great in the movie i don't think he's doing a Catherine newton impression i think he's doing just a generic teen girl impression yeah, because she's not like that way. She's the way he acts is not the way she acts at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so he doesn't nail that, but he's still funny. <laughs> yeah, and and it's still a good movie, and it's very gory. I forgot how much I like Vince Vaughn until I watched that movie. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He's he's really good in that movie. It's the kind of movie you wouldn't expect him to do. I don't know why. I mean, he does comedy, but it's just the sort of thing he just wouldn't, you know, horror comedy you wouldn't think he would. But yeah. Um, and you need someone like that. You need someone who's big like Vince Vaughn, who's fucking massive. He's a big dude. Yeah. He needs to be intimidating. Um, right, anyway. <laughs> um, my third problem with Delirious from 1991 starring John Candy, which is what we're talking about. <laughs> um... I feel as though the relationship between Jack and uh, Mario Hemingway's character, I think the relationship is based on him knowing Janet and not Louise. Yeah. And it's not fair on her. But, okay, so what's confusing to me is it's like, you're right, but also if you look at her order at the deli and then there's the whole thing where she freaks out about the ants, but she doesn't like ants. So mm-hmm. I don't understand that. Like, did, cause she talked about a dream she had. Did they have the same dream? Did he like, does he somehow know her? Are, are they psychically connected? What, what happened? 
what happened there? It's very confusing. I don't understand See, it. This is the problem because this I feel like this happened with Crocodile Dundee as well, where like mm. I can't find problems because I'm just sitting there enjoying the movie, and then we get to talking, and I'm like, oh, this is my problem. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. I was watching it, I didn't put much thought into the fact that I find that whole dream thing very confusing, and now I'm actually really annoyed about it. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to talk about earlier, and I said we'll leave it to the end. Um, the pl- it makes absolutely no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. He gets hit by the car um, hood. It hits him in the face. But then we see him driving and then he crashes into a, something else when he's driving. He crashes into a van or something, right? A truck. And then that's when he wakes up in the hospital and he's in the real Ashford Falls. But at the end, he wakes up and he learns that he, he got knocked out because he got hit by the the car boot, the car um, lid, hood, whatever you call it. And that's like, well, he just got knocked out. So all of that's, in, it was all in his head. But then it doesn't make any sense that he knows what she ordered. Although, no, wait. Aye, no, it makes fuck all sense. But then um, when she says, I don't like ants, he says, yes, you do. And it's like, no, she will know that was only in your head. Um, So it's very confusing. And he is starting a relationship with this woman based on a character that he made up in his head. When you put it that way, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it makes me want to say that's realistic because I think a lot of people fall in love with the idea of the person they're with and not the actual person. No, that's true. And but what is what is she who why is she falling in love with him? She she doesn't have any knowledge of him. He stood on her hand I mean, and then we have to just kind of assume they get to know each other and fall in love. You know what I mean? Like Well, I'd hope so. I don't think when they write movies like this or, like, back in the day, anyway, now that we have the internet, I would like to think they know better. I don't think they thought we'd be thinking about things this much. Probably I think, not. I think pre-internet, they assumed that people just watched movies and didn't think about it, which was honestly probably true of most people. Mm. And now, like, I'll watch a movie and I won't think about it that much. And then I'll have a conversation like this or I'll go mm-hmm. online and I'll be like, wait... Mm-hmm. that is weird that is wrong you know yeah. what i mean so yeah. uh and i feel like and i hate that i can't think of an example so i've been sitting here trying to think of an example but i feel like in tv and movies when they do these kinds of dream plots i feel like they constantly add confusing things when they wake up to where you're supposed to think it was real mm-hmm. or like in this case where it feels like i may be supposed to think that she had the same dream and they're like somehow connected yeah. And I don't like that. Don't throw me a little thing to confuse me. I know that's fun for the writer or whatever, but I don't enjoy that. It doesn't make any sense because she wasn't unconscious and it was, you know, same day. Yeah. It makes no sense. Their, um, their relationship is based on a lie. But um, but I like, to, yeah, I like to think that they do sort of get to know each other. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So what is your third problem? Uh, he was going to let that producer choke to get what he wanted. Yeah. And I don't care if she's a bitch. Like, don't do that. Yeah. And there's another thing that he does when he wakes up as well that pissed me off. What was that? He punches the other writer. Oh, right, right, right. 
And Could... there's no reason to punch the other writer whatsoever because the other writer did fuck all. He was just doing his job hired by the producers. And he didn't do anything wrong. I hate that idea, and it doesn't happen as much now, but I think it probably still happens where if somebody annoys our protagonist, we should be okay if they hurt them somehow. Yeah, but they haven't had any interactions. But it's like, this guy was just doing his job, and mm-hmm. uh, John Candy, honestly, like I don't blame his bosses for trying to bring in someone um, when he won't compromise at all. Mm-hmm. He's arrogant, and um, it's, I mean, it's still your job, dude. Like, you don't own the show. Just because you write it doesn't mean you own it. And also, don't be Aaron Sorkin. Maybe have a writer's room. Don't write everything yeah. yourself. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, he's, so, oh my god, that's what he is. He's Aaron Sorkin. He is. But, so that's it. that just bring, begs a question then. What is John Candy's character arc in this movie? Because he doesn't really have one. Because he's an arrogant prick at the start. And then at the end, he gets what he wants. I mean, the biggest thing is that in... By punching people and letting someone nearly choke to death. In being in that dream, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, he learns that he's he wasn't always right about his instincts with the writing. But mm-hmm. then I'm like, okay, so he comes out and he's like, yeah, we need Janet or whatever. But has he actually changed as a writer where he is more willing to compromise? No, but, but we don't know. He only wants to yeah. he only wants to keep Janet because he finds Mario Hemingway attractive. And c- if you consider the fact that that like if that is a dream, it's all in his head, it means that he talked himself into changing these things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I need some sort of like magical guy in the corner winking being like, "Hey, look what I did." You know what I mean? Yeah. Or have have hard wake up. Like yeah, ha- they say, "Oh, She's in the other room. She, you know, got hit in the head to her or whatever. With all the slapsticky stuff they do at the beginning, why didn't they just have him literally running into her and they knock each other out? Yeah, exactly. And that would be, and then in the end, when they end up together, you would feel more invested because you'd be like, oh, that really was her. Mm-hmm. That's it. We rewrote it. Now we need to get them to make it, except you're going to gender switch them and it's going to be Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Well, I solved it. That actually brings me on to my positive, talking okay. about Melissa McCarthy. It does, honestly, because we've spoken about this before. But my positive is um, John Candy's size isn't mentioned and not made fun of. Yeah. And we've spoken about this before with Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. And no way, shape or form is his size even mentioned. And I love it. You know? Yeah. I think that's that's very positive. Yeah. So what's your positive? Oh my god, I literally hadn't even thought of a positive. Um <laughs> I'm going to say my positive. Um you know, I'll say it's Muriel Hemingway. Um mm-hmm. I am desperately seeking to not think of Manhattan when I think of her. Yeah. Um and she's very good in Manhattan. It's nothing against her. I don't blame her for taking that role. But I remember, you know, the Woody Allen thing. And this is before I knew about the Dylan Farrow stuff. Like, this is just when I knew about Soon Yi. Mm-hmm. And before my views had evolved to where I fully find even the Soon Yi thing disgusting. Anyway, when I saw and it's been like 10 years since I saw Manhattan. But I remember watching it. Because I still, I didn't feel bad watching Woody Allen movies. And I was like, well, I haven't watched many of his early films, so I should watch this. Because most of what I'd seen was like 90s and 2000s. Yeah. 
And just everything with his character and Muriel Hemingway, I was like, oh, no, this man is gross. Like, that's when I decided I was done. Mm-hmm. Um, Because that was just in this movie, he's dating a high school girl and he's like in his, I think, late 40s. Mm-hmm. And it's seen as just normal. Yeah. And and I and I hate that when I think of Muriel Hemingway, when I used to think of Muriel, because I honestly don't think I've seen that much of her work. When I used to think of yeah. her, I, I actually always thought of that Roseanne kiss. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Um, when they had their, you know, woman on woman kiss on Roseanne, and it was a huge yeah. thing. This is before Ellen came out, and there was a warning before it, which is I think about that a lot because I'll be watching a show, and you'll just have two men casually kissing, and I'm like. Remember when we had to have a warning before something like this? Exactly. Anyway, the 90s were crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think of Manhattan when I think of her. And that's not fair. (laughs) No. Because when I think of Manhattan, I get grossed out, right? Yeah, it's not our fault. Um, And so I like seeing her. Like, she's a very good actress. Mm-hmm. And it's just nice to see her. Like, not only do I think she's just good in this movie, but it's nice to have something better associated with her. Yeah, fair enough. I get you. I need I need to have different associations for yeah. Muriel Hemingway. Because, um, my gosh. Like, I, I knew somebody who, when they were 21, they were dating somebody who was in high school. And they mm-hmm. acted like it was perfectly normal. And I'm like, if you're old enough to buy alcohol for the prom you're attending... Mm-hmm. You are dating the wrong person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's gross. Yeah. Right. I have a question before we go. Okay. Do you think we should have met the actors who play Ty and Blake before the dream fa- fantasy? Oh, um, maybe. And maybe, maybe have them, maybe like show that they're really nice guys or something. Yeah, I do. I would have enjoyed that, seeing people be different from their characters, especially since um, What's-Her-Face seemed like she was very much like her character. What was her name? Yeah. Rachel. Rachel, um, yeah. Like, she she seemed like she was so much like her character that that wasn't very interesting. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it would have been good to see them. And it, it does make me wonder, were there scenes that got cut out? Because um, I'll tell you yeah. what, the, the trivia doesn't tell me much about this. No, no. No, it's a, it's a forgotten movie. <laughs> yeah, I... Wait. Delirious was written by Prince? The song, yeah. I didn't realize that was a Prince song. Yeah, it's a Prince song from 1982, I think. <sighs> I know, it was an older song at the time, like. But yeah, it's a Prince song. I You learn something new every day, man. <laughs> Um, I, I, yeah, I think we should have maybe have met those actors before yeah. because we don't really have any connection with the characters. It, it, it's, it, I think it's better if you meet. I mean, you don't have to meet the dad because they reveal that it's Raymond Burr, who was, um, you know, uh, Ironside, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, and who else was it? Perry Mason or something? Or even Perry Mason was it Perry Mason? I can't remember. I, anyway, I know so little about Perry Mason. I'm a Matlock yeah. girl. I think yeah, he's Perry Mason then. So um, yeah, so that sort of thing was like that was a big deal. But the the don't they mention the the um, oh what's his name the guy who plays the real Jack Gates? Oh, Robert Wagner. Heart, Robert Wagner, heart to heart. Um, 
maybe murderer of women. Um, <laughs> Robert Wagner, he is like he was a you know a big TV star or whatever. And uh, John Candy's character even makes a point that you know why are you slumming it in this, and I think that's why maybe they didn't say that the dad was played by Raymond Burr because they would probably say the same thing. Why are you slumming it in, you know, daytime TV? Yeah. But, you know. Anyway, when the cheerleader shows up during the party, there's, like, typewriter sounds. Mm-hmm. Like, she turns up, and then there's, you know, you can hear the typewriter, and that's to just, that's to, like, show that he's, um, that he was drunk and he wrote something weird last night. Yeah, and, and like, we, we can figure that out. We're not stupid. Exactly. Exactly. We're I'm not telling stupid. you, they think the audience is stupid. Yeah. Um, Jack tells Rachel to shut the hell up, but it looks like he says shut the fuck up Mm -hmm. because his mouth moves. And I think that would have been better, actually. Yeah. You know, because even then you're like, it's supposed to be like daytime TV. So if he said the F-bomb, I think that would have been funnier. That's everything I have about this movie. Um, So a um, a little programming note. There will be no show next week. Because Jen and I are both going to be out of our respective towns <laughs> <laughs> and won't be able to record. Uh, but the week after, because there's still there's, there's four, there's five Mondays in August, so we'll still have four, and we're going to do Animation Month, hopefully, because I'm moving house. So um, hopefully. Uh, we're still doing animation ones. So what is the first movie we're doing, Jen? Because it's your pick. Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Oh, we're just going to go straight in? Just go straight in. <laughs> okay. Beauty and the Beast from 91? I think so. Yeah, same year as this. Okay. Right, so we'll do Beauty and the Beast. That's the first of our um, animation animation month, and that's in two weeks. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at DropPod. ShiftyBench.co.uk is the website. Contact at ShiftyBench.co.uk is the email address where you can contact us. Where can people follow you online, Jen? Um, I'm at Pilot Inspectors on Twitter, and I have a Party of Five Rewatch podcast called Closer to Free. Excellent. So thank you all for listening, and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.